It's a great day, and um, I'd love you just to close your eyes as we. This is, you know, I'm just giving love, giving the Lord an opportunity to do what He does best, and that's to love people, but to bring change to people's lives. And Father, I thank you in this wonderful church, and it is a wonderful church, something that you are proud of, Lord, and the people within it. Your presence doesn't determine the size of the church. Where one or two people gather together in that place where two or three, you stand with them. Lord, you stand with us here this morning. Jesus, I pray you guide every thought, every word, every action. And Lord, not one person will be missed. You gave your life for us. And Jesus, we are so thankful in what you have done for us. We love our Lord, our God, our Savior, Jesus. And we thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit who leads and guides us. Thank you for being with us this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's just nice. I mean, I love the worship. You know, you have great worship in your church. You do, do you know that? I mean, Phil and Karen, known for years, come here. I mean, they come all the way from Sydney just to come to the service. <laughs> but it's great just to be able to know that on a, on, a, on a Sunday, you can come into the presence of God. As Carmen was saying, challenges during the week, maybe challenges before us. But we can come into a place, say, Lord, the challenge of yesterday and possibly the challenge of tomorrow, we lay down before you. Why? Because we trust you. Just close your eyes one more time for me. Just one more time. I promise, just one more time. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. All understanding shall rest upon every single person in this place here this morning for this coming week, these coming weeks and months. I pray if there was one thing you would do this morning is simply, Lord, to bring that peace. which is beyond our understanding or comprehension of how, but Lord, it is in this house and is for every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, Jordan, thank you. I just love the beard. You remind me of one of the great prophets. 
Elisha. I am talking about him today, by the way. So I'm going to move around. So if you're online, I hope I don't get out of your, your vision, but you'll be able to hear me because I do want to pray for people as we travel through this year. And um, isn't it nice to be, feel like we're in a new season? Isn't, is, doesn't that feel great? And uh, I think I was here last year and Karen and my, my, my followers, Karen and, and Phil, just were here last year when I was here as well. So it's wonderful how we just align. God aligns moments. But there's always something in this, you know. There's always, God's always using these wonderful, I just thought, how do you do this? Lord, how do you tile this together? It's incredible. But he does. So this morning, I've, I've called this message The Journey, and we've all been on a journey. <laughs> Amen. Hello, hello, hello. And it has been an interesting journey. And as I said, I will talk about that. But just in the, the start of this, in the service, I, I felt that, that thought is like Jesus came to earth. He you know, was given birth and we celebrate that at Christmas. And obviously his death, we celebrate that in, in April or March or April around that time. And then also we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit in the first weekend in June. And we do all these wonderful things. But Jesus for 30 years went about his business and doing doing life like we all have what it would have been for him at the age of 13 or 14 he goes I'm doing about the Lord's business can't we get on with it father I mean come on wait son I have been time and patience things take a lot longer than we ever want has anyone found that hello he then spends three years with his disciples and then three years of hang, hanging around Jesus for three years. Unbelievable. Seeing, hearing, just seeing how he did life. Phenomenal. Goes to the cross. Within an hour or so, they've all gone. Three years effort. I wonder what Jesus was thinking. You know, John was there, mum was there, some of the girls. But the, the guys, blown the coop, gone. Jesus would have thought, three years I have spent putting things into you, instructing you. You've watched, you've seen, yet where are you? He comes back again after three days. And I thought of this, I thought, it takes a lot longer for us to get things until we get things that we can actually get on with it. And this morning, again, he came back, we know, as a resurrected Lord, and he spends 40 days with them, another 40 days. He's gone for three. It all turns to custard. They're gone. He's gone, what's going on? Father, what a group you have given me. And they were changing the world. They were, because where are they? Comes back another 40 days. 40, by the way, in its, itself is a representation of a time of testing, a period of time you must walk through. Probationary. Fascinating. 40 days. And he goes, again, another period of time without Jesus being present. The testing continued. It wasn't three days. It was now 10 before Pentecost, as we know. 
But when he departed, did he give clear instructions about what would happen? No, he didn't. He said, go to Jerusalem, wait, be patient. The gift my father's given you, the gift that I've spoken of. How many years have I been talking about this? The gift. They go, they wait. What were they thinking? Thank the Lord we got the girls together this time. Got the girls in the room. Bit of stability, a few anchors there. But for those days, well, when's he Who? The gift? What? How? They didn't know. But they did one thing this time, this time. They stuck it out. But what would they have been thinking for those 10 days? He's gone again. Now we know he came back. He's talked about the gift, don't leave Jerusalem, stay, don't do anything, stay. What about you, Thomas? What do you think we should do? Wrong person to ask. (laughs) You've got to start, again, the community of church is a powerful entity to encourage us in the moments when we don't have the sticking power to stick. And I'm just here today to say, this is not part of my message, by the way, this has got nothing to do with my message, but I did feel for you to get this today, is simply don't measure your current circumstances on what you see and just stick with the game plan of being present and let him be God. Stick to the game plan, don't move or move yourself off course because you could miss some of the greatest opportunities before you. And I say that individually but I say that to Pastor Chris and Pastor Vicky and the team what you have done is right on target for its future what has been established is right on target don't measure it according to what you see what you are thinking because nothing ever works out the way you thought And our points of measurement are completely wrong. Three years, the boys thought, Jesus is going to get us back in control. The Romans, they're gone. Israel will be reestablished and we'll have a position of authority in the church. They were thinking, that's their game plan. Nothing like it. What am I saying to you? What you think, it'll be nothing like what you think for your future in Jesus' name. How encouraging is that? (laughs) I had a plan. I at least need to. Great. Paul had a plan. He had a journey. And my story today and my my message is because I want to pray with people. I just don't want to give you a message but draw thoughts from that. But my, my, my starting point or platform is this. Don't give up and don't measure your circumstances according to what you see what you even believe or thought the pattern would be, because you'd be wrong. Just stick to the game plan of knowing that's what I'm believing for. Whether it's healing, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, go to the end product and not try to create what's in between, because you'll blow it every time. Just to encourage you a little bit this morning. The journey, an incredible story, and I'm not going to go there because of time and go through it all. You can read it in Acts chapter 27. It's about Paul's journey from Caesarea, and it starts off in, sorry, in Jerusalem, then Caesarea, then the journey to to Rome, and incredible parts. Seven chapters are devoted to this journey. It's one quarter of 
the book of Acts, which is the pretty much the, the beginning of the birth of, of the Pentecost to the outworking of the, of the, the disciples in their, their role and their function for the future. But seven chapters is on this one journey. Incredible. And as we know the story, it unpackages it, and there's so much in there that I'd love to spend more time on, but I won't, and Pastor Chris can at another point in time. But the journey in which we have been on ourselves in recent times has a great outcome, irrespective. There has never been a pandemic like we have in the history of the world. There has been nothing which has been as global, not even a world war has been as global as what we have been through. Why? Reset. Heaven's a reset. Is he resetting the world? Or is he resetting his church? He's resetting his church. And that's exciting. Because that gives the scope of the possibility of what God has planned for us as a body and a community as Christians. Amen? It's exciting. The journey has just begun. Pastor Kristen and Vicky are over going, really? You know, how long does this journey? A long time. But it's a wonderful opportunity. But in this story of Paul, in this moment, traveling through time, he, he knows, and you can read leading up into these chapters, all the way through, Paul is returning, feels to go to Jerusalem. He goes and he runs into a prophet who binds his hands, his feet. If you go there, this is how you'll, the outcome of your life, you'll be bound and you'll be thrown. Like who walks into a situation like that? Paul says, I know. And the prophet says, this is what the spirit tells me is going to happen. Get rid of that prophet. Who wants that sort of a guy telling you it's a bad day in front of you? But Paul goes back to his original plan of what he was believing and what he was called for way back before that moment. It wasn't the path or the journey. He was assessing everything. I called, what was I called to do? And he goes way back that he would be a voice to all the Gentiles and the center of the Gentile world was within Rome itself. He did not lose sight of the end. Paul talks about that, finishing well. We know that. He said, I can see the end. I don't know how to get there, but I know I've got to go there. And whichever way I feel led in the moment, which may not be what I'm looking for, I'm willing to walk that path. The prophet, the people come out, Paul, do not go. The Spirit has just told us and said that your life can be at harm, can be at threat. He said, I must go. How committed are you in regards to your final purpose because of the circumstances you've had in the interim, in the getting to, interfered with the outcome of what you're believing? Little things, big things, can interfere with your journey or your path to getting there. And I love this, and Phil and Karen, I don't know why you've come here, but you've come here once again, great friends for... 30 years, I don't know how long, a long time. But I had this thought just then. Isn't that a good idea? Greg, you had a thought? That's incredible. Yes. I know you can't see me online right now. Or maybe you can. Thank you very much. You have spotted me. I can see you there too. Great that you're looking in. But I had that thought, you know, the, the compass, the compass in itself, talking about the journey and, and navigation, etc., is that 
what's a, a compass's purpose? I mean, is a compass there to help us know where we're going? Or is a compass there to help us understand where we are at? It's where we're at. You may know where you're going, but to assess you to be able to get to where you're going, if you don't know where you are, it's a lot more difficult. If you ever had your guidance system and suddenly reception has gone and you go, I need to go somewhere and you put it in and you know, and then it, you know how it has that thing, like that little blue dot? It goes boom, 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 boom. But it's basically a blue dot which is sending out the signal that you could be somewhere here and it's the whole map of Australia. <laughs> how helpful is that? I know where I need to go, but you're saying I'm in Australia? Great. And then it goes whoop, up to the Northern Territory, back to Queensland, down to Victoria. And you go, well, how can I get where I'm going? When we lose the reception, your journey and where you're going will be interfered with and could actually put you in a place and a position. My point is simply this. To assess where your future will be is not so much of what about you believing. I know you believe and know what you're standing for. But it's right now to reassess currently where are we at. Take the step of assessment. Look at that. And for the rest of this year, it will be where we are at. Then recalibrate for the ongoing journey. And 2023 will be the reset, but the beginning of new steps of faith. We need a compass. It's something which assists us in our journey. Paul started out in a journey. He knew where he needed to go. He was hearing stuff he didn't want to hear, but he was still faithful to the purpose and what he was called. Paul is always someone who, in his journey and the way he did it, a strong, bold, brash individual, knew what was before him, yet he was willing to face the challenges which lay before him. My question is, how about you? What about this coming week, this coming month, this year? What about the challenges in your life? But... Unfortunately, people give up on the journey moving forward to what they're believing for because of the current circumstances in which they face. And Paul, a quarter of the book of Acts, of the leading of the Spirit, is more about the journey of challenge than it was the outcome and result. Phenomenal. Paul's journey starts out, and I've always loved that scripture in Hebrews 6, 19. It says, you know, we have this hope as an anchor to our soul. Every seaman knew that as every journey in which he would begin and, and move out on, he would, number one, they would check the sails and the rope, but they'd make sure they had an anchor before they did anything. I mean, they're not going to take sail. Let's, let's go for it. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians have no idea that where's the anchor kept? Where is that anchor? We've got the sails, we've got everything, we've got the ropes, we've got the crew, we've got, we've got the rudder, we've got, let's go. But when you hit a challenge, an anchor is a pretty important part. And on every boat, there wasn't just a anchor, there was the great sea anchor. And that hope is in reference to Jesus to being the hope as an anchor to our soul. But there were drift anchors as well, a number of other anchors. 
Paul's journey to get to his destination, I love his journey because his journey opens up an incredible opportunity which allowed us to draw what are the things that help us through our challenging moments and seasons stay on course, hold our position, not give up. Remember, a pause isn't a stop. Stop is it? that's it, I'm out of here, baby. A pause is, no, I'm not going here right now. It may be a recalibration moment, maybe a reset moment. But in that moment, it's like, let's continue. And people sometimes read your pause as you giving up. You're the only one who can determine, is it a stop or is it a pause? And today I'm reminding you and I'm giving you a word simply on the basis of this. There may be a pause, but there's not a stop. And there's not one person here with a stop. Remember that. You don't stop. You just recalibrate, reposition, and get back on the horse to continue on, irrespective of your circumstances. Paul's journey starts out that on this journey, as he's gone from Jerusalem on trial to Caesarea, he's before Felix, the, the Roman governor of his time. He's there. He's put in jail for two years. Fascinating in itself. He's in jail two years in Caesarea, Caesarea waiting to be judged. And the, the, all the, the Pharisees from Jerusalem come up and said, he's a troublemaker and hand him over to us because they knew they're going to kill him. Paul thought, if, if I get handed over to this crowd, I'm, I'm a dead man. But he still thought, irrespective of my pause, wasn't going anywhere. Irrespective of my pause, God is with me and God has said what did the Lord say he said you will stand before Caesar the word before all of the outworking of the challenges held him in a position of going can't read it how long two years what did you do during COVID good question well man we just zoomed Watch television, probably had a few too many evening red wines. Didn't do much. I actually cleaned out the pantry, built something. Good on you. What did Paul do in his pause, in his moment? And most historians would say that, and there's a lot of thought around this, but again, Paul is attributed to writing 13 or 14 including Hebrews of the epistles but in there and our general thought and there are different discussion around this thought but again attributed to those books is that while he was in Caesarea or Rome unable to be determined most of these books were written in his moments of pause not on his journey not during the highlights when he was held down, isolated and restricted in life, he does some of the greatest writings which help us today empower our journey on our way forward. See, a lot of things can happen when there's a pause. And a lot of things during reset, recalibration occurs that God can use for us in an amazing manner. For this thought, George, I have no idea what this thought is in my head, but it is for you. And it's simply this. Fascinating in itself. You know the story in the book of Mark about the woman who had the, you know, she would hemorrhage and all the rest of it. And she reached out and said, if I just touch the garment of, 
of Jesus. I'll get healed. Never been done before. Now, if you flick from chapter 5 into chapter 6 and go to the very end of chapter 6, something quite unique happens here. And because of time, I'm going to fast track this. But the very verse 56 of chapter 6 says this and all the people brought all of the sick from all over the country place to be along the way to journey uh, on Jesus's journey on his travel so that they may just touch the edge of his garment she started a whole new way of doing things which had never been done before she was instrumental by God hello What are you instrumental in doing, which is going to be so out of the ordinary, so different, but it will be something which will be translated into the lives of others. I leave you with that thought. I do not have time to expand. (laughs) Well, you could have given me part B. Sorry, have to wait till next year. (laughs) You are paused. You can wait. Paul's journey, he travels there. In those times, in those times of isolation, don't underestimate the power of the moment because God can do so much when nothing seems to be going on, when you seem to be isolated, when nothing's tracking the way it should. God can do some of the greatest works, but it's not what he does in your life. It's what you do with your life in those moments. He hops on a boat. We're going to fast track this because of time. He hops on a boat. Again, he's heading to Rome. After two years there, change of, of, of um, Roman governance there and changed again and, and Bernice and, and all of the, you can read the stories yourself in Acts chapter 27. But the journey goes on, which I just want to touch on very quickly because there's four points I want to bring to your attention and five people I want to bring it to your attention. It says that as they boarded the vessel to travel, Again, they travel, and it was a difficult journey. Going anywhere with the word God has given you, you are standing for, is never an easy journey to reach. Never an easy journey to get to the destiny. It is never easy. Did you hear that? I thought I'd just be a Christian and just, you know what, there it is. Oh, amen, here I am. Oh, God, amen. That was so easy. Oh, I haven't seen that. Been a Christian over 40 years, and I tell you what, I ain't seen that baby. It's like, why is this thing so tough? Because it's testing, growing, and strengthening the person that you are so that your life can be observed by other people's life to say, watch me, and then for the next generation, stand strong, be able, and continue on. Christianity is not to remain the same. It should grow in its strength. And it doesn't happen on the basis that it happens because of prayer and word. That's an important part. But it's because you participate and show to the up and coming generation how to do it. Mom and dad are unbelievable. I don't know what they did, but they just stuck at it. I reckon, babe, we should do that too. Yes, you should. We need more examples in the house of God. Paul said to Timothy, imitate me. He said, imitate Christ. I'm doing what Jesus has asked me to do. But Timothy, right now, you can't see Jesus because of everything that's going on in your life. Just just follow me. Just look at me. And what I do, just have a go at it. It can help you. My question to you here today, is your life worth following? Uh, Shivers, I didn't want you to really ask that question. I just was happy with the idea and the message. 
Now, is your life worth following? It is. You just have to realize and recognize it. And if it's not, adjust it, please. And when you adjust it, then people say, thank you. And over the years, I can say, I don't know why, but people have said this. Pastor Greg, we haven't really met, but I've been watching you and you've been so helpful to me. And I'm thinking, how? Because they've watched. And I thought, what did you watch? You know, that thought comes through your mind at the time. What have you been watching? <laughs> you know, because all the, all the moments, ah, oh, no, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. And all of those foot and mouth moments. But amazing in the Lord, the Lord basically covers those moments of our moments of indiscretion. All those silly moments when we should have said that, we shouldn't have done that. He seems to cover. If your heart is true and your intention is right. Very quickly, Paul's journey travels from this place. He's on a boat. And again, my point simply to you, you need certain moments of reset to recalibrate, to let down your anchors for a moment, to hold you in a position to get you back on course. What are those things? Very quickly, verse 18 and 19. What does it say there? And the storm was so great that all the men began to throw overboard. In Acts 27, throw overboard all the excess um, uh, tackle and, and all the things they didn't need. All the extras. That's my point. To say in that moment of reset and to get back on target, sometimes you have to throw stuff overboard and get it out of your life. And unfortunately in life, we can have so much clutter we can't see the way forward. Remember that show? What was that show called? It's coming to me. It was a great show. No, Hoarding. <laughs> Could have been that. It was, Peter Walsh was in there anyway. It's like, it's, it's helping people declutter their world. Space invaders. And they'd get in there and they'd help. He'd get in and help people unclutter their world. And they'd go into a house and you see some of these houses and go, how do people live in this? But they do. No one in this church, of course, you know, and, but this is busy people outside elsewhere. But they have so much stuff going on in their life that they can no longer see the way forward. And unfortunately, in that moment, they lose sight of it. And in this moment, this woman had eight children. She's a psychologist, had all the skills that needed. Her husband, I'm not sure of his career, eight children. But the house, they couldn't find anything. But she said this one great thing. When I, well, I've watched the show twice, but she said this one thing. She said, I started to lose my way when I could no longer find the things that were necessary to have a normal, healthy, ongoing life. I just had so much in my life that I lost sight of what's important. My point is simply this, to journey and follow and fulfill your journey to reach the place you need to go. Sometimes you have to get rid of the stuff which is just taking up all your space, all your time and get back on track. Verse 21, stay with me, stay with me. Give me a little bit of time. Give me a bit of grace. Amen. Thank you very much. It says that Paul there in verse 21, fascinating statement. He said, hey guys, you know, look... You should have listened to me when we left Crete. Remember I said before you left, I said to you, I said, maybe we shouldn't continue right now. Paul wasn't looking after his life. He's using wisdom. He was going to get to Rome. He didn't want to make his life difficult. But at the same time too, he said, hey guys, you should have listened to me. The second anchor that we should be using in our life to assist us to get to our day's destination in those moments of reset and pause, the first simply is 
See what's important in your life. And usually it's people, by the way, not things. The second thing is simply is that wise counsel is something that is there for us. For what reason? To help us move forward. Wise counsel, unfortunately, a lot of Christians go, well, what should I do now? After the event. When you're in the pudding. When things aren't going that well, what do you do? Well, my point is this. Wise counsel is not for the end or the problem in which you are currently in. Wise counsel is before you take the action. Paul journeys, continues on in his journey. This is Paul's journey to a destination that he knows, but he doesn't see the, the, the correctness or the path. He is taking it day by day. How about you? You've got to live every day in a position of saying yes and amen to what's happening. As he travels along, as we know in verses 23 and 24, I think it says, he says, I, I am on my way to Rome because an angel said to me, you will stand before Caesar again. He tells them. My point is simply this, what revelational word that you have got is one of your anchors to hold you it firmly in position so you get to your destination. What is that scripture? My scripture has always been Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this, the good work the Lord started in my life, he shall bring it to completion. I love that. What God has started in your life, he will bring it to completion. The good things that he has started in your life, he will bring it to completion. The good things that he has started in your life, he will bring it to completion. Let me say that one more time. The good work that he has started in your life, he will bring it to completion. It's you going, seems I'm not sure, but I'm going to hold that word. You can actually have a loan of my word just for a season. Anyone else can have a borrow of it as well, but I want it back, okay, because it is my scripture, just in case you know. You read, it's got Greek French. It's not gluten-free. It's Greek French. (laughs) That word is for you. What he does start He will bring it to completion if you would just stand upon that in Jesus' name. He had a revelation. He he decluttered. He said, guys, get all the stuff you don't need out of your life and just see what's important. Usually people. The second thing is, hey, guys, in all of this, listen to wise counsel. Who are you listening to? Who are you speaking to? Who are you hearing prior to your problem? Who have you given permission? You know, in the future when stuff goes wrong, do you mind speaking into my life? Who have you asked to do that? Well, I don't have a problem. I'll do it when I've got a problem. Too late. Too late. Pastors, what do they know? Ooh, funny. <laughs> oh, you know, they sing around church and pray and all the rest of it. Oh, I might do that. They don't actually do that. There's a lot of other things you do. But, you know, funny in that moment when you go, I want to pray for our people. I want to pray for, for John. John's, you know, he's, he's asked me just to be a voice into his life. As soon as you give permission to someone, God will use that person to give you the guidance you need for your future. Wisdom. What scripture, what revelation do you stand upon? As Paul continued on his journey, as you can read in verse 31, it talks of the men at the end and said to the centurion soldiers, he said, and the men, you read it yourself, you can read this thing yourself, you can read it later yourself, but he says, the men at the back, the sailors at the back, go up the back, pretending to secure the anchors love that pretending to secure the anchors pretending to secure the anchors I've seen a lot of Christians pretending to be Christians 
pretending to be doing something which is helpful, but really they just want to jump ship. Their whole thing was trying to get a, 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 a lifeboat to get on it. Get it. We're out of here, baby. Get off the ship. It's going down, baby. The ship, and you can follow the story, gets pretty beaten up. But back to the revelation point, and I love the, that statement about Paul and that word from the Lord. The Lord says to Paul, you must stand before Caesar, but the Lord has graciously given you all 276 of them safe passage and not one would be lost. What a word. What a word. That's a revelation we need to do and why we never stop praying for those people we're believing to actually have an influence to bring change to their life. Are you with me? Bear with me a few more minutes, please. Again, in that place, he, he gets out. Guys are trying to escape. Don't get off the ship. What's a ship? The house of God. Yeah, oh, yeah, I notice it's got a few holes in it. Part of it's falling to pieces. It's still, a, it's still a boat. It's still something that you have life on. Don't get off it. Yeah, but I've noticed the curtains aren't looking that straight this weekend. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Also, the stage, I've noticed a bit of uh, dust and clutter on there. I need to find a better church. Not that Carmen's like this. I know she fights this. But sometimes we become the local critics of everything that happens in church life. Churches aren't a perfect place because it's got people in it. Isn't that funny? My background's in mental health. The whole for many years and still today, I'm still involved in mental health, working with pastors and teams and everywhere. My, my whole background's in psychology and behavioral programming, all of that. Someone said to you, what, what, why did you change? I mean, that's radical. I go, no, no change. It's changed from one institution to another. No change. Nothing's changed. Why? Because we're all made of the same metal. We all have the same challenges. No one has a get out of jail free pass. But I tell you what, we need to know where we're going. And in those moments of pause, recalibration, challenges, I know how to hold my ground to get through so I can continue on. Stay in the house of God and I finish with this point. Simple point. And in verse 34 and 36, and Paul stood up before them all. And this is one thing I love. That all the other points I love, but this final point I love. He stood up and he said, men, you have worked so hard and we are here. You need to get a bit of sustenance in you, need to eat. He said, before you do that, he stood up and he got bread and he gave thanks to God. And they all ate and were encouraged and had the strength because they still had a bit of a challenge in front of them. The ship would break up. They would have to take part of the ship to get to shore. Not one was lost. Others might swim, but they all make it. But in that, a lot of them were hanging on to the parts of the, of the ship, parts of the house of God. They get there safely. But in that, they had enough sustenance in a moment of challenge. Don't move away from your spiritual encounter with Christ. Push into it and draw the source of nourishment for you to continue on to finish your journey. But thankfulness. Who gives thanks to the Lord in the good times? Amen. Amen. A, and one more hallelujah in there as well. Amen. Amen, hallelujah. Amen. Yes, God is good. Why? Because look what happened. When it turns to custard, no, amen's here. 
You see, thankfulness is not something for the good times. Remember that term, the good, the bad, and the ugly? There's two negatives, one positive. And to me, that's a great reflection of actually what life is a little bit about. But thankfulness is not for something in the good. It's a time in the bad to say, thank you, Lord. I don't understand. It's driving me crazy. And I'm incredibly worried. The ugly, this looks worse than ever. Thank you, Jesus. Thankfulness is one of the wonderful lost aspects of the Christian life. Because we've only learnt the art of using thankfulness when it's all good. But the reality is, it is not in the good times. It is in the challenging times that we need to say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll finish with this with a few just thoughts and words. How are you today? I knew you were good. Do you... Do you know anything of the Old Testament and some of the stories of the Old Testament? You do? Wonderful. Do you know the gentleman by the name of Elisha? I mean, you know, Jordan looks a little bit like Elisha. Had the big beard and that wonderful shiny head. As myself, we, he's my older brother. Actually, you didn't know that, but he's my older brother. Obviously my older brother. Sorry, back to my point. It's interesting to see there in 2 Kings 6 and there's a bit of a, a story there about uh, Elisha and you're seeing different things happen in the stories of his life. But then in 2 Kings 13, it gets to that at the end of Elisha's life, uh, he dies, they put him in a tomb and then it says straight after in I think 2 Kings 13, can't remember at the end of that chapter, but it says, and the men were burying a gentleman who had passed away, but uh, a group of the Moabites were coming and attacking the local people. So they got this guy and said, no time for a funeral. Just throw him into Elisha's tomb. Hurl him in there. He was dead, out of the picture. Elisha had been gone for a wee while because it says his bones, not his flesh and body, his bones. He'd been gone for a while. But it says, as that man, that man who had died, his body touched the bones of Elisha he stood up strong and came to life again never underestimate the supernatural power of God moving in and through your life irrespective of what you may have seen and observed the supernatural power of God is in every situation that may be visible have life or may even seem to be lacking everything to the point of life God hasn't forgotten you and that in everything that you do, the things which seem to be impossible, he's going to bring life to. In Jesus' name. God doesn't miss a beat in this life. Doesn't miss a beat. Love the story. I'm staying with this journey and I'm staying with this moment. Is that, again, that wonderful story about at the end of Elisha's life. Obviously, I've been reading one kings and two kings, obviously. Comes out long, doesn't it? You have such wonderful knowledge of the Bible. Yes, because I've been reading it the last week. But a wonderful story in there. It comes in there and talks about the king comes to me and says, my father, my father. And this is just before Elisha dies. And, you know, that whole part of the journey continues on. But in there, he comes to me and he, he said, look, Aram, the, the nation of Aram, the king of Aram, want to come here. But he gets him and he gets a, a, an arrow and a, he said, opens the east window and 
said, uh, bang the, the arrow, or sorry, fire the arrow out of the, out of the window, of the eastern window, and you'll win this great victory over Aram. And then he said, grab the other arrows and bang, you know, strike the floor with the arrows. He strikes it three times, and then Elisha says, why did you stop? Here's my point. Why did you stop? Why did you stop? He said, now, instead of having the victory of overcoming the different tribes of Aram, you will only have victory over the three in which you have struck the floor with of those arrows. Yet you will not have all that you want because you stopped. Point, do not stop believing for that which you have believed every prayer every pointed end of your prayer has a target and every prayer that you pray shall see the fulfillment do not give up just keep striking the ground and believing and knowing saying simply this lord i will not stop until i believe that i have a word from you or i see with my own eyes the goodness of the lord in the land of the living in jesus name amen a little bit more of Kings. Quite like Kings. Who enjoys the book of Kings? You know? You've already got one. Put your hand down. <laughs> I see that second hand coming up down the back here somewhere. I just I used to have hair like this. I used to I can't well I, well, yes, I can't actually. It's come and gone. It's a thing of the past, but I like that. You look a bit like a a mature rock and roll star <laughs> just mature but still got the, the elements the Lord likes you good he uh, got oh, cut it out now it's gone to your head he does let me pray for you father I thank you the goodness of the Lord which does rest upon this man's life Father, again, and even the words and even the relationships which are surrounding him, which are beyond his ability to bring change, that, Lord, you are very much so working on his behalf and working diligently, Father, behind the lives of those. The prayers, again, which have been prayed for even those within his family immediately and at distance, the words and the prayers of which have been spoken, he is standing and believing, and he shall see the fulfillment of those words come to pass in Jesus' name. Hit the stage again, and I'm sure you'll have a return to fame on the stage. <laughs> I draw this to a close in a moment. Just one final word. The axe head is an interesting part of the journey. I love scripture and illustrations to draw upon a word for people and where they're at and what's happening. And the axe head's a great one. I wonder if they're following me. Getting a little self-conscious now. Uh, come on, you're not keeping up. Where am I? Find me. Hi there. How are you, sir? Good. Good seeing you. How are you? Good to see you again. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Face like that, I could change the world. That point, I, I love that story again. Two kings, read it yourself. About the axe head, you know, the story about there. You can read it anyway, but it's the story about Elisha's there and this guy comes along. They said, look, ah, the house of the prophets is a bit small. We need a bigger joint. It's a little bit small. What we've got is a bit small. There should be more. We need more room. We need more. There needs to be more. So they go, let's go out and chop some trees down and make a bigger place because there's more of us. Things are happening. 
and in all of that, and this guy goes out and he starts chopping down a tree and the axe head flies off, goes in the water, and he goes, oh, it's an axe I borrowed. And Elisha said, hey, we're going to get that up there. He throws a stick, cuts a stick, throws a stick in. The, the actual iron head rises from the water supernaturally that that gentleman who lost it could now take a hold of it and still continue on to do what he's doing and again be able to return the axe to its original owner and still have the job done. What's my point? God has started already a work, and I love this term. There's a lot of things God does behind your back than he does in front of your face. My point to you today is this. God is expanding you both in your own personal world and life and relationship with him, but at the same time too, you need to take that extra step and make an extra step and push into him. I'm talking to you specifically right now. Just a bit of a push into him, a little bit more, because God wants to extend and expand the person and also the opportunities that are around your life. I see your life in many areas expanding financially, relationally, in many areas beginning to expand. And God is causing an increase in the areas in which of your own personal life, which seems to be restricted and limited. God will open the door if you just choose to push into him a little bit more. Pauses and moments of pause may be to reposition, to reshape, to reorganize so that you can get on with the job to fulfill the goal that God has laid out before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love that. What a face. I could change the world. I wish I looked as good as that when I was a younger man. Close your eyes, everybody. Thank you again for having me. I know it's always a challenge, but you've invited me back. Under sufferance, no. But I like this church. I love this church. And church is about people. It's about people being in the house of God, being a part of the house of God. And everything starts with a relationship with Jesus. Ultimately, it starts with Jesus. And today, I can honestly say, the Lord hasn't given me a word. I don't know where any of you are in your relationship with Jesus whether you're in this building or online today. I don't know where you are in that relationship, but you do. I've spoken about recalibrating, resetting your life to travel through not just what we've been through, but future challenges and storms which we may encounter. Don't forget those things we have spoken about today, but all of this stems and comes back to one simple thing. The strength of decision to stand our ground, to push on, to push through, to keep believing is because we've been empowered by another person greater than ourselves. That person's Jesus. Jesus gave his life that we would have life. And in that moment of transition, of agreement, by simply saying, Jesus, step into my life, there is a supernatural exchange and empowerment to give us the ability to keep pushing on, to keep driving home, to keep standing upon that word and seeing the things we are believing for come to pass and to see lives changed and to see our circumstances adjusted and recalibrated by Him. But it all happens because of a simple decision that we have made. And for most of us here today, at some stage we said, Jesus, step into my life. So my question to you today is this whether you're online or in this building. If you've never given your life to Jesus, 
I'd love you to do that today. But more importantly, he would love you to give your life to him today. And as soon as we say, Lord, step into my life, he said, I'd love to. Let's start this journey together. So if you've never given your life to the Lord today, or maybe you haven't, you've stepped away in that relationship, you know you're at a distance. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Now, if you're in this building or online, I want you also to raise your hand because your hand being raised is not to me, it's to him to simply acknowledge and say, Jesus, I want to get connected. I want to be reconnected the right way with you again in Jesus' name. So today, if there's anyone in this room here who has never given their life to Jesus, or if they haven't, they've stepped away from that relationship, just raise your hand. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor Greg, that's me. To say, that's me, Pastor Greg. I just, I just want to get my life right. I want to reestablish. I'd like to know him. Or maybe you're online watching today. Irrespective, it's your decision. And in just a moment, we're all going to pray this prayer as we stand, as we conclude this service. Can we all stand, church? I would do this most Sundays every time I preach. And it's not a prayer for others. It's a prayer I embrace as much as I want all of us to embrace. So I'd love you to pray this prayer and repeat after me. Lord Jesus. I give you my heart so that I may be known by you. And today, Lord, forgive me. Make me whole. Save me. Lord Jesus, today I pray that we have all prayed that prayer. And for most of us here today, whether online or in this building, that prayer is something which changed their life. But Lord, I pray that even in this room, there are two people who in their own life feel at a distance, that we have all prayed that prayer, that that has realigned and reset their heart right with you because we all prayed that prayer in Jesus' name. So, Father, I commit to you this great group of men and women, and in Jesus' mighty name today, Father, I say thank you, and let the goodness of the Lord rest upon their life. And the peace which transcends all understanding rest upon their life as they leave this church today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, and church, thank you for being patient and allowing me to go a little bit longer than I possibly should in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you, Carmen.